Hello, and welcome to G Talking All That Jazz. This podcast is really the testimony of a friendship that spans over four decades. A friendship between two black professional men that began in Harlem, New York in the mid-1970s. As young men, both learning from each other on how to navigate the sometimes formidable and unapologetic streets of Harlem, New York, both here and now, still standing with a wealth of transferable knowledge. As you join G and Jazz on their journey of reflection, listen. Listen closely for the true messages about friendship because their trials and tribulations comes with a course. G and Jazz will share their thoughts on a variety of topics from love and relationships to family and politics and, of course, friendship. Again, welcome to G talking all that jazz. Enjoy the journey and oh, Buckle up. What's up, family? You, you. What's going on with you, Jazz? I'm good, baby boy. To you is Dr. Linwood McAllister. Never will I ever call you Dr. Linwood McAllister. <laughs> ever in your life. You used to burn Jeez. down. Before we jump into the show, man. Yes. Take, let's take five seconds, man. It will be remiss. If we did not take a pause to recognize the injustice to Breonna Taylor and yes. her family and yes. to the whole community of, of Louisville, Kentucky, and to the entire Black race, African-American race here in the United States. Let's just take five seconds, bro. Yeah, so Jazz, that was yeah. a great segue. So um, last time we spoke, Jazz, you know, we had our relationship talk one and two. But you know, man, before we go into and we start talking our stuff, you know, we got to do our disclaimer, right? Doctor, right? Public service announcement, full disclosure. All the stories you're about to hear are all true. Here. Names and dates and experiences will not be changed. Not be changed. If we hurt your feelings because hurt we popped your, your name up in that story, we're sorry. But we are beyond say sorry. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. Yeah, so we, you got our disclaimer. So once again, we had our relationship talk number one, where you kind of broke down some things, you know, your personal experiences about your failed marriage, you know, why that was important to you, your love, your, your, your way you kind of um, describe how you handle heartbreak moving forward. I thought that was very um, informative. And um, then I, I came in with relationship number two, kind of talked about what I felt were the important factors of having a strong, viable relationship. So I thought, I think you and I both agreed that we will have this relationship part three and, um, kind of throwing some tidbits, some Jews that we received from our mothers that were kind of tie in both one and two into this episode number three. Yeah. So um, if you don't mind, man, I'd I, I like to start with you. And um, let's just, can you just kind of recap, you know, a short recap on episode one, some of the things you talked about, and then throwing some of the Jews that your mom dropped on you to help you uh, recover, get through, navigate through um, what happened with you. So I, I think it's very important 
that we have to go back to the source. A, a, a rapper, if you guys remember his name, his, his name is Tupac. And he said, I got my name from a woman and I got my game from a woman. So that connects to our, Gary and I, G and I, and how we relate to women. We got our game from women. And so we have to go back to the genesis of how we became who we are in these relationships, good, bad, and the ugly, right? So I talked about my divorce and I, I talked about how that was so life-changing. And I talked about a, a lot of the moments in which I began to, to gain clarity as I was going through this process of divorce because it really was a, a revelation for me. It was bigger, it was greater than an epiphany. It was life-changing because it made me completely understand the love that God has for us because we can have that same love for another human being. So the divorce at the end of the day was the best thing for me. I really needed that as a person, right? Wow, so, right, okay. So we, I talked about the nun. I talked about your, your mother. And I talked about some of the things that you said. And, and, and through that process, all along and every step of the way, my mom was literally holding my hand and guiding me through this process. Amen. So one of the things that I gained from my mom um, early on in my recovery, in my deliverance, I'm over, I'm over it. Right, you passed it. Passed it. I'm delivered from it. I'm moving yeah. on. I'm dating. I, my my job, job situation is happening. I'm back in school, finishing up in school. So I'm delivered from it, right? My mom sat me down, as she will always do. And me and my mother had our own little special time. We would drink Senka coffee. Yeah. And she would make me some buttered toast, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that meant, but that was our time. Right. And she said to me, she said, Limwood, she said, I would completely understand if you went back with your ex-wife. Right. And she said, the reason why she will understand is because I know you want to have your family. You want your son to be with both his parents. So right. if you did that, I will completely understand, but I'm going to tell you what you did wrong in this relationship. Okay. My mother looked me in my eyes, and this is no indictment to my ex-wife. She looked me in my eyes, and she said, Lenwood, you did not screen Sabrina properly. Mm. I said, what do you mean, Mom? She said, the next time, you need to ask the same question three different ways. And if the person does not give you the same answer, that is a problem. That's a red flag. That's a red flag. So that was, that was you know, one of, of many um, uh, ways that my mother kind of shaped my next relationship and how I related to women. I, I, I also recall a story you told me 
mm-hmm. something that uh, mom told you. And by mm-hmm. the way, I want to preface this, you know, uh, mom, uh, Mama Gallister passed away in 2006. Mm-hmm. And here we are in 2020. And we are still, still, you know, talking about her and still living her jewels that she, she dropped on actually both of us. Yeah. But I recall, you know, a, a story you may have mentioned to me before about milk and spilt milk. What was that about? Explain that one to me. Okay, so my mother had this kind of like this uh, encrypted way of speaking, right? And, and, and I say encrypted, but it's really pathetic, right? That you don't really realize how deep it is because it's that simple, right? It's that simple. But she just had a way of putting stories together to make you have a better understanding so that you can take it in and um, it can be like in the sense that you can, it was palatable, like you can take it without right. poking from it for right. lack of a better way of putting it. Right. So I, I came in, I think I was just kind of blue, kind of sad. And she realized it, you know, she just realized, you know, in this process, how I was feeling. And is this after your divorce as well? This is, this is probably midway. This is probably midway because I, I still had days, good days, bad days. Yeah, we all you do. I still had good days, bad days. And I think that she realized that today was a bad day. And so, so I'm sitting at the table and we, we're just chit-chatting and things like that. And then she said, she said, she said, what if you spilled over this carton of milk? What would you do? I said, Ma, I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, what if you spilled over this carton of milk? What would you do? I said, I said, Ma, I would just clean it up. She said, Luma, that's the obvious thing. But what would you do about the carton of milk? I said, I don't, I don't know, Ma. I don't know what I would do about it, this carton of milk. What are you talking about? She said, you would simply go to the store and buy another carton of milk. <laughs> How about that? And what she was saying was, go get another relationship. Go get another relationship. Go to the store. Go out there. If you have to go to work, if you have to go to a club, if you have to go meet a, your friends, connect you. Go back out there and get you another carton milk. In other words, get back in the game. Get back in the game. And what is the need to cry over spilled spilled milk? milk. Yes. Yes. I love it, man. Yeah, man. And and that's the beauty part about it, man. I'm going to tell you, man, like, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about some of the Jews my mom dropped on me, Mm -hmm. which connects back to my part of relationship, too. I know I I, I piggybacked on, I said, um, I talked about me being called the baby elephant you know, being, you know, fat, sloppy and, you know, filthy and dirty and, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. But I can remember, man, that uh, one time my mom asked me to meet her at 125th Street train station. She wanted to take me shopping. But me not, you know, just being a little kid, man, not really caring about how I looked and my parents, playing football, probably was outside playing football with you, man, and the bros, man. And I remember, oh God, man, I gotta be my mom at a certain time. And I'm I'm hustling from Manhattanville Projects over there to Hunt 25th Street to the train station. And I'm running downstairs, man. I'm all sweaty and, and dirty. And my mom looked at me, man, and she was pissed at me. Mm. And she pulled me to the side, man, and she said, Let me tell you something. 
you have to take more pride in your appearance. You talk about somebody calling you out your name. Let me just tell you, tell you this. No woman is going to want to be around no big, funky, behind man. Mm. You understand me, Gary? You have to take more pride in your appearance. She mm. said, you are handsome little boy, and you're going to grow up to be a handsome young man. I know that. And you're going to be a big, handsome young man. And you know what? And just when I tell you, you're going to be fine. However, if you do not take pride in your appearance by washing your behind, brushing your teeth, and doing those things, you'll never have a relationship. I never forgot that. I, 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 as my mom was giving me that heat in that train station, I can remember like looking to my left and looking to my right, like people were looking and watching. And my mom was just giving me a life lesson that mm -hmm. I today at 54 years old still follow. Mm -hmm. Washing up, taking showers, taking being, cause you, I'm a big guy. I'm mm -hmm. a big guy, I'm still big G, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm a big guy, so I have to make sure I brush my teeth and I make sure I get in that bath and I, I shower and I clean myself because guess what? You can be the nicest guy. You can be the smartest guy. You can be the sweetest guy. Mm. But at the end of the day, women don't want to be with no funky man. They don't want to smell you. So that was one of the Jews my mom hit me with. And then she also used to teach me how, like, you know, we talked about how your mother give you game, whatever. Mm -hmm. My mom used to tell me, listen, you young. Like when you're young, you get out there and you date all types of women. You date the fat ones, you date the skinny ones, you do the tall ones, the short ones, the tall ones, the freaky ones, the business women. Because when you get older and you become a grown man, then you'll know exactly what you want. And you'll know it when you see it because you dated it already. Don't just you know, look at the real skinny ones. You know, don't just look at the ones that look all pretty and all dressed up and whatever. Look at all kinds of women. Don't prejudge. Watch them, date them, be out with all of them. You know, just date them. So you'll know exactly what you're going to get. And then she also taught me how to walk with them in the street. Like I tell my daughters right now, if a guy doesn't know that when he's walking with you in the street, that you're supposed to walk on the inside of the street and not towards the street side, he wasn't raised right. Because mm. my mother taught me that women of the street, the street walkers, the prostitutes, that's how pimps let Johns know that this woman was for sale because he put her on the outside of him. Wow. So he walked on the street side. But if she was his woman, she walked on the inside. So that was some of the Jews. My mom. So even, even with walking my mom in the street, where are you supposed to be walking? Where should I be at? Inside, mom. Inside. And anybody that knows me, any, any female friends, anybody I've dated in the past or whatever, they'll tell you that women always walk on the inside of me on the street side. So, I mean, those are coming of things my mom taught me too, man. And my mom's still alive, you know, and I still, I'm still soaking up all the jewels. So let me say this. Gary mentioned that my, my mother passed away back in 2006. But here's the deal. And here's what is so, so real about love right? Love never stops, right? The love of your parents, especially in the relationship with a mother and son, it never stops. So yes, my mother is no longer here 
physically. Physically. Physically, she's no longer here. Right. And let me, and let me explain this. My mother spoke to me and guided me my entire life. But I'm a Scorpio. And so if you know some Scorpios, yep. Scorpios do what they want to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. They don't listen to nobody under no uncertain terms. So I'm a pure Scorpio. I don't listen to nobody, right? So all along, my mom is telling me these things in life. She probably told me screen and rescreen. She probably told me, um, um, be careful how you choose uh, your friends. She told me all these things my whole life. But you know what? I will walk out and go, okay, Ma, I heard you. I heard you, Ma. I heard you. Ma, <laughs> yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> As I'm walking out the door, right? But here's the powerful thing about love is internal, right? So when my mother passed away, I could no longer respond to her, I hear you, which resulted in me having to listen now. I have to listen. And so in listening, my mother had done more for me spiritually from the celestial world than from when she was here in the physical form. Perfect example. My mother would, her favorite saying to me was, Linwood, get your ducks in a row. I, I was like, mm, get your ducks in a row, get your ducks in a row. So as time went on, I kind of got it. All right, you have to have your finances together. You have to have um, some goals, five-year goals together. You have to um, um, make sure you have some type of plan or, or whatever in achieving what you want. And so that's how I took it when she was here. But when she moved on and transitioned, it changed because now I listen, which right. means that now getting your ducks in a row is all of those things that I said, but, for, but more so it was about if you are going to be a leader and you want people to follow you, i.e. your woman, i.e. your children, i.e. people who you are mentoring, you have to, in order, if you're going to be the lead duck, you have to model all of those thing, things that are important for someone to follow. Mm. So it changed over time for me. Yes. Over time. And, and, and I want to say this, you know, also, too. I want to add to this. Women, if you're in a relationship with a man and he doesn't have a relationship with his mother, question it i don't care what no one says question why a grown man or a man or supposed man has no relationship with his mother because if you watch a man with his mother and how he treats his mother that's how he's going to treat you because if his mother raised him right she's going to raise him with respect She's going to raise him to be respectful to women and to treat women with respect and not to disrespect them. Because one thing about my mother, my mother did not play that disrespectful thing. I do not care what. And even though I'm her son and in my past relationships with my daughter's mom and when I was a kid growing up, my mother did not play 
oh, you're going to be disrespectful to her. I don't care what. She would take her side over me if I was being disrespectful. If I was not being the man she had created and taught me to be, she was going to be all up and down my side, but up and down on me. Trust and believe me. So when you look at relationships, women, and we're going to tie this up, we're going to tie this in, watch out. Ask him, ask him that's an, it's a screening process. Ask him, hey, what's your relationship with your mother like? Mm -hmm. Ask that question. That's for you women. Ask that question. Hey, what's your relationship with your mother like? You know, I'm not saying I'm a mama's boy. Limo is a mama's boy. Trust me when I tell you. And it's not to say that we soft. It's not to say that, oh, you know, we just do anything our mothers say. No, it's not that. But we love and respect our mothers because our mothers were those strong black women in the community that made sure that they raised strong black professional men who grew up in Harlem. Yes, we are Harlem kids growing up in Harlem. And our mothers raised us in Harlem to be strong black professional men. And to this day, we still have relationships with our mother. Now, no one talked about him being a Scorpio. I'm a Leo. Now, here's the, here's the, here's the twist. His mother was a Leo. I'm a Leo. Linwood is a true Scorpio. My mother, a true Scorpio. So no matter what, we got that connection going back and forth between his mom, my mom, him and I. Relationship talks. Mama knows best. Mama knows best. So I got my name from a woman, got my game from a woman. <laughs> So, Jazz, you got any closing thoughts, man, before we close out this episode of our podcast, bro? Any closing, my closing thoughts are, man, when we, when we um, decided to talk about our moms and say mama knows best, initially yes. I got sad because I had to reflect and I got sad. And then I hit myself in the head. I said all of the things that, um, that was passed down to me, passed down to my siblings, passed down to my friends, passed down to members in the community, from my mother, all of the good deeds she has done, for me to talk about her is like a celebration. This Should be, celebration. absolutely. This is a celebratory moment. So people get an understanding that, because I know some of our listeners' parents are not here now, and that they're still in pain, because it does change you yeah. when your parents pass away, especially your mother. But I'm here to tell you that don't remember them at that state of being in the funeral service and how sad you were. No, you pick a moment in time. You pick a moment in time where, you know, you had that, that, that vision of her. My vision of my mother is seeing her smoking on her cigarette, drinking, drinking her, her Sanka, <laughs> coffee, drinking her Pepsi. Smoking on a cigarette and saying, get out my refrigerator. <laughs> get out my refrigerator. <laughs> yes, I love it, man. That's what we, that's, I love that's it. How, that's what we take with that, man. Exactly. You know, and my closing thought is going to be this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a story that, you know, I got when I was 16 years old. And this is how my mom, she taught me a life lesson about being a, a black man. Mm -hmm. Me and my friends, some a couple of my friends, uh, Brian Davis, we went to 86 in Broadway and we went to go see Rocky Three. I think we had to be like 16, 17 years old. And if y'all recall, 
that was the movie with uh, Mr. T and Apollo Creed and Sylvester Stallone and and Rocky had you know been set up with all these fights and he was a champion of the world. And there was Mr. T coming up, and they was ducking Mr. T. And Mr. T was out there, you know, he's working out. He was in the basement struggling, doing his push-ups, doing a, calling Rocky out, calling Sylvester Stallone out. Yeah, when you going to fight me? You ducking me. You know, you want a real man. And then and then he was doing all that stuff, man. And the first time they fought, man, Mr. T was whipping Rocky's butt. And my mother, in the middle of the movie theater on 86th Street and Broadway, which is mostly predominantly all white folks, and it was a few of us, us people of color in there, my mother was in there screaming and cheering for Mr. T. And I remember, man, I was tapping my mom like, Mama, Mom, you cheering for the wrong person. I just thought my mother didn't understand where the movie was going. I thought my mother, you know, she was confused. Far from the truth. Mm. My mother was all conscious about her blackness. She said, and she tapped and she said, wait a minute. Are you telling me that I should be cheering for Rocky instead of Mr. T? Don't you know that Mr. T is more like you? Mm. Don't you know that he grew up in the ghettos just like you growing up in the ghettos? My he want to get his shine. He want to get his light. And you want me to cheer for him? He said, she said, my mother said, don't be confused and don't get, 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 stay woke. She said, look at the movie. It took a black man, Apollo Creed, to teach a white man Sylvester Stallone, how to beat another black man, Mr. T. Woo! I said, oh, my God. I said, I'll never forget that, Ma, and I'll never make that mistake again. Thank you, Mama. Thank you. <laughs> and that's how I want to end that. <laughs> Marguerite Bowden is her name, I said. Marguerite Bowden. <laughs> <laughs> and, and well, anyway, y'all. Edna McNary Green. Ah, McAllister, yes, indeed. So, yo, this ends our relationship three talk. Uh, Mama knows best. I'm G. And I'm Jazz. And this is G talking all that jazz, and we're out.